Hi, my name is Frances Stein. And I'm Malice. And welcome to this week's spoopy episode of Two Friends in a Pod, where we chat about all things movies, music, and pop culture. Just joking, guys. It's actually Frances and Alice. <laughs> it's spoopy, Frances and Alice. Boo. Are you guys scared? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that intro took us about 10 minutes to say. <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> Um, so as, as, um, you may know, it is the start of spooky season. So it is the start of October and Halloween's coming up. So we're celebrating all things spooky, scary, horror, supernatural, as much as we can fathom, to be honest. So this week we're starting off with Carrie, the 1976 horror movie written by Stephen King himself. Oh, based on, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why suddenly we became, oh, I became really unprofessional. <laughs> this malice today. <laughs> the, the malicious part is me trying to ruin this episode. <laughs> You've been possessed by malicious spirit. So this week we're doing the 1976 horror movie Carrie, based on the Stephen King novel. But before that, we are going to talk about things music, starting off with... Eminem, so. <laughs> yeah, what did you um, read about Eminem this week, Alice? Malice. Malice. Eminem opened up a restaurant in Detroit called Mum Spaghetti. I did see that. <laughs> it's all spaghetti dishes. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't and sure if that was a troll. It's not a troll. Yeah, but then I was like, it's real. <laughs> and if you look at the menu, they're real. It looks it, it looks shit. Like a troll. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like someone was just making a meme. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think the menu is like, do you want spaghetti with balls or spaghetti with no balls? <laughs> or spaghetti with vegan balls? Like, yeah. that's literally verbatim what the menu says. So I'm like, this is odd. Clearly a reference to the song Lose It from his 8 Mile movie. In which the lyrics are... His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, there's vomit on his sweater already, mum's spaghetti. So, Francis, my question to you is, <laughs> if you were in Detroit and you were looking for something to eat, would you go to Eminem's mum's spaghetti restaurant? <laughs> no, it just makes me think of vomit. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, no, I'm not in... It doesn't... Like, it's funny, but yeah. I'm not... I don't want to eat the spaghetti because I think I'm vomit <laughs> because the spaghetti is on the sweater. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's not a bad price. US $9 for mum spaghetti. And if you wanted to order the mum spaghetti with balls, it is $12. Mm-hmm. So that's approximately $16, $60 in Australian dollars. Not bad for a not plate bad. of spaghetti. And, you know, good on him for offering a vegan option. Very forward thinking of Marshall. Yeah. Like, the idea of eating spaghetti that is going to end up on your sweater later on because you're so nervous, <laughs> I don't think it's very enticing. Like, when I think no. about things that are appetizing to me, it's, <laughs> it's definitely not that. So do we know why he's doing this? Is this just a stunt or is this actually like a it's going to stay there forever restaurant? From what I can see, it is a permanent restaurant. Like, it's mm. not a concept or anything. What I am seeing is that Although we think it's a reasonable price, reasonable price, I think other people are thinking otherwise. I'm not sure how much spaghetti costs in America, but if you're in Australia, spaghetti is like twenty to thirty dollars. I was so, just gonna say spaghetti yeah. with meatballs here is like twenty five dollars. So yeah. when I saw that US nine, I was like, oh, that's pretty cheap. Yeah, exactly. So 
It opened in downtown Detroit and then I think he actually served some of the first customers and it's a result of the partnership between M&M's team and local restaurant groups. So I think it's safe to say it's probably not his mum's recipe. <laughs> yeah, like from what I can see, I don't think she has a great relationship. Yeah, don't they hate each other? Yeah, so it's kind of odd that I think he would then, I don't know, Is mem- he- commemorate. Well, yeah, I'm reading a review now from the Detroit News. So the noodles are cooked just right, not too al dente, not too mushy. So that's a plus. Great. The sauce (laughs) smells sweeter than it tastes and has more of a tangy flavor. There's a hint of basil, some parmesan, and garlic. So and it comes with garlic garlic toast. Oh, okay. For $12? I think so, yes. That's really good. A little bit of an entree, (laughs) a little bit of a side (laughs) with your vomit spaghetti. (laughs) Does it make your knees weak? <laughs> um, so- <laughs> Would you eat the spaghetti sandwich then? So it's the pasta between two s- slices of garlic bread. Oh, okay. The garlic bread does make a difference, I would say. Because I was going to say, I've never had a spaghetti sandwich. No. There is a thing that people make here, which is like a jaffle sandwich, and they often put in like the canned spaghetti. The and SPC. I know. Yeah, the SPC, like canned spaghetti, which I really dislike, to be honest. But mm. I know a lot of people grow up eating that. So I wonder if that, like, this is kind of like the upgraded version of that. Seems like a really fancy version of that childhood sort of meal. Yeah. But, and then saying that, I never, I've never done it myself. It could be amazing. I mean, it's pasta and bread in combined. I think the garlic bread does make me want to try it a little bit more. Maybe it's a novelty of it being owned by Eminem. I do think so. Yeah. But I wonder, you know, what's, I guess, is he struggling <laughs> or is he just bored? <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Know. I'm not sure. I don't think he's struggling. Let's, let's be real. Yeah. I'm sh- he's released a lot of music over the years. He had that song with Venom, the very successful Sony movie. So surely he's. Okay. I didn't even know that. Like, <laughs> It's a pretty terrible song. <laughs> he's like, Venom. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just for funsies, really. Or maybe the price was right. I think if we were both in Detroit, though, we would go and maybe just get one just to... Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I think so. Like, we say, like, ooh, like, we wouldn't eat it. But, like, realistically, we probably would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just just for fun, I think. For um, the experience. The ambience. Yeah, the ambience of Bob's spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I think just to kind of say that you've done it, but would I expect it to taste good? I don't... No, I wouldn't have high expectations for it, for sure. Would you line up for several hours to eat it? I don't think I've lined up for several hours for anything. I could be wrong <laughs> about that. I probably, <laughs> you probably have. <laughs> I probably have, but I don't recall. Oh, you know what? I actually have for like Chin Chin's, which is like a famous uh, Thai restaurant in Melbourne. I'm pretty mm. sure I lined up. Well, like you put your name down and you come back a few hours. I would say it's kind of like lining up in a mm. way. I don't know if I would line up a couple of hours to get spaghetti actually like takeaway spaghetti yeah it's not sit down is it it's no. um, takeaway only yeah very interesting eminem has also been in the headlines recently because so super bowl halftime show um, which is next year in february is starring eminem himself and then also dr dre snoop dogg kendrick lamar and then mary j blige because it is happening in la i believe the, the, the Super Bowl. So that's why they've kind of gotten people from 
that area or who like are prominent in that area to perform. It's interesting, yeah, that they're sort of moving away from that one person having that headline show, mm-hmm. you know, like the Beyonce or the Katy Perry, mm-hmm. etc., and just going with this sort of what is it? Yeah, more like a festival kind of vibe. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, so that's the right yeah. word, festival. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also to me it was also surprising to learn that they were having rappers performing in the Super Bowl because traditionally we have seen more like pop music and rock music like things that are definitely more mainstream Mm. so I I don't know if this is sort of like a reflection of the times in which like hip-hop is now like a huge not that it hasn't been huge before but it's definitely more mainstream I would say um, as a genre and also in its influence Mm. Uh, so I mean they've gotten some of the biggest names in rap at the moment like or like historically as well so like Dr. Dre is huge in like the LA scene and like everyone like looks up to him and everything. And then we know that Snoop Dogg and Eminem also worked with Dr. Dre quite closely in the beginnings of their career. And then Kendrick Lamar, I'm also like a little bit surprised to he- see him perform at such a huge venue, I think. Mm. Yeah. He's been on like the down low a bit. He has a little bit. For a yeah. while. Yeah, since his last album. I think he is releasing a new album next year though or something mm. like that. Like I've definitely seen something about him doing that but yeah I wonder if they'll bring in other acts because I guess like even with like Beyonce and all that sort of stuff there is like sort of space for other artists to come in for like guest appearances mm. and stuff like that to do like one song but you're right like the 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 vocal point of those performances usually are like one person or it's one or huge artist yeah yeah I don't know maybe is that a reflection of the Super Bowl to come are they just trying to be more diverse in their choices I would hope so. Hasn't like viewership dropped or something? Like it's not as interesting or the allure of the halftime show isn't mm. as huge as maybe it used to be. So I don't know if they're trying to shake it up a bit. Yeah, maybe. I wonder if that's also because like concerts online, you know, they're so prevalent. We can see performances whenever we want. Mm. Even if we can't physically be there or watch it on TV, we can just go YouTube and watch it or something like that. Maybe is that maybe something to do with that? And it seems like they're going for like a particular generation of hip hop artists instead of like mm. maybe some more like newer newer artists, ones. like even mm. Cardi B or Doja Cat or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Though I think a Cardi B performance would be really fun. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> and they have had Travis Scott um, perform at the Super Bowl before, but he wasn't like the focal like singer. He just kind of came on to do I think a song. I can't remember who was this, who was supporting. I think it was the Maroon Five Year. Um, <laughs> which yeah I mean I would say the Super Bowl has a uh, perform- halftime performances have been sort of hit and miss in the past five years yeah like we've had some really good ones I think notably Shakira and J-Lo really oh. brought it yeah <laughs> I think that was like 2019 I think it was but like that was obviously a great performance and I think historically, you know, like Prince, Michael Jackson, all those performances like go down in history as being like greatest performances of, of Super Bowl, but like also also notably like in the history of like live performances in general, yeah. I think. Whereas like, yeah, some of the other ones I think notably were in five as well, like were just sort of misses, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I think people tend to like look at the past like and the, and the shows that you yeah. mentioned, like Michael Jackson and Prince, they kind of think yeah. of the halftime show as like the glory days of it. Mm. Like a huge artist for doing it and then kind of look at Maroon 5, who are obviously very successful commercially yeah. and whatever, but mm. they don't have the same stat- like status, I guess, when it yeah. comes to superstardom. They're not the level of, yeah, Prince. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Even if you're a Maroon 5 fan, 
Yeah, like if you're a fan of them, like, like, come on, like it's just. I it's think not Adam the same Levine night. himself would agree with me when I, I say so. I think it's friends. fair to say, yeah. <laughs> or, or they're not Michael Jackson or something. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely don't have that that status. You're correct. But yeah, like I mean, I I'll definitely watch it. I think I'm an avid watcher of just the halftime show, not the football. Oh yes, I agree with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave the football. So actually last year when the weekend performed, I streamed the football match, but I didn't actually tune in until the halftime show. <laughs> so maybe I added to the viewership, but it was only because I wanted to see the weekend yeah. perform. That was my main thing. And then as soon as that ended, I was just like, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very um, interesting. Yeah. Definitely festival vibes. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds cool. I'm definitely interested. Mm. Um, so like how they will yeah, perform. because I think, especially with um, the Super Bowl, you've got such a big stage to perform on. Um, yeah, like the things you could do with that are pretty cool. I mean, that's what The Weeknd did. He kind of made a whole new, like, stage with his stage. So, like, he, he got a little bit more creative with things, whereas I think, um, like, people like Beyonce, they kind of just use that as, like, use their presence. <laughs> and then you've got like i don't know like there's so many ways you could play around with it because it is such a big stadium um, yeah. and then you've got everyone in like in a circular fashion so the things you could do with that are probably pretty cool so i'd be curious i definitely think they have like this the stardom behind it to do something really massive and these are huge names in hip-hop yeah i'm curious like what songs they would do and how they might do songs together or like mashups or remixes yeah or- I would think do? a little bit, yeah, maybe a little bit of both, like doing each other's songs, like covers of other mm. hip hop songs. Maybe Kendrick would be rapping about his mom's daddy. <laughs> maybe that would be something, right? Yeah. But between the five of them, they have quite a big discography. So I'm sure there's a lot of content to kind of swipe from. And I think, yeah, there'll definitely be a lot of, probably expect to see some guest appearances from other people. Hopefully, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Riri, the next album, Riri. Uh, never, she's gone. She's too <laughs> successful with Fenty. <laughs> I can tell you based on Wikipedia that apparently Katy Perry's halftime show is the most watched on Netflix mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Shakira and Jennifer Lopez's was the most watched on YouTube. Uh, I'm proud to say I watched that live. <laughs> <laughs> Not on YouTube? <laughs> Not on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Katy Perry one, she had that giant lion. That's the shark. Remember. The shark. How could I forget the shark? Oh, no wonder that was. <laughs> that was a fun true. performance. Like, I mean, say what you will about uh, Katy Perry as a live performer, but I mean, that was a really fun performance and, and pretty iconic. Like, who, like we all know that shark. <laughs> How did I forget about the shark and remember the lion? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the lion and remember the sharks. I just remember it was like Interesting. a very beachy ensemble. Like, yeah, it was cute. Yeah. Like that time in her career where she was doing more like kishy, like cutie sort of costumey things, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like whipped cream from her boobs and stuff like that. Yeah, dressing yes, up that as era. ice cream and candy. Yeah, yes, that era. So I think like that really like suited her vibe. Well, let's see what happens at the Super Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> which we will just be watching the musical portion. Don't ask us for our opinion on football. <laughs> I, I could not answer you. <laughs> I might be able to tell you who won, but I don't. I can't tell you why. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> yes. Well, to round out our music corner, I thought I would mention a new song that has dropped from the K-pop group Twice. So they released their first English single called "The Feels." So when it dropped, 
I was a bit nervous because I feel like a lot of Korean artists, when they try to release English songs, mm-hmm. it doesn't really work. And I think a lot of time it's because it's reverse manufactured. Like they'll mm-hmm. create a song in, K- in Korean and then try and squeeze in English lyrics and it just sounds mm-hmm. really awkward. Yeah. So recently, like I guess BTS have done it well, but that's because the songs were meant to be in English. Yeah. So it yes. flows. So the example being like Dynamite and Butter, but like every other artist and Twice themselves have released English versions of their songs. And I'm sorry, yeah. they just sound terrible. It sound odd. Yeah. I think, as you say, it's trying to fit in English words into like a beat that's already been predetermined for another language. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fit the vibe. It doesn't, the meaning can never be the same, right? Like it's hard to kind of replicate a sound. Like it's kind of <laughs> in some cases to leave it best as it, is it as it is intended it's the same for like disney when they release Mm. their films in other countries they make like different language versions of their songs like for Mm. frozen for example they release Mm -hmm. the korean version of let it go and Mm. even that sounds weird because it's just mashing up these korean words trying to fit the same meaning but Mm. the same number of syllables into like a song that wasn't made for that language and it just sounds really awkward yeah, um, except for the Let It Go version with 24 languages because that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the YouTube version. <laughs> yeah. That one is beautiful because it shares multicultural <laughs> languages of music. But it's different. <laughs> yeah. Disney has its arms everywhere. <laughs> you cannot escape no matter where you live. <laughs> um, but I am so happy to be able to say that Twice killed it with the feels. And I think it's because they meant to create an English yeah. song. So just from the get-go, they were like, this is going to be in English. So the lyrics and everything, the beat was designed to be in English yeah. so the lyrics fit. And yeah. I think this song is a banger. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, as you say, like they set out to with a goal and I think they definitely achieved the goal. And I think this song is also a little bit more like poppy and Maybe a bit more fun and young, which is kind of a nod to what they've been doing previously. So some of their newer releases, I haven't been as big of a fan of. I think they've kind of strayed from, I guess, for lack of a better word, like more twice sounding sounds. Or I think this is sort of like closer to some of their older records as well. And I think more traditionally pop, like K-pop as well. So they're not Mm. trying to be like westernized or anything in their sound. But in saying that, the music video... that is something so it's very like y2k very on trend to be honest like i definitely thought of olivia olivia rodrigo when i when i saw like plaid like more uh, can they think it's specifically like punk rock plaid Mm -hmm. not just like you know schoolgirl uniform plaid but you know like with the boots and the ties and it's very like but it's still very cutesy of course and it feels like yeah like a bit of mish 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 mash of Olivia Rodrigo, Y2K, Clueless vibes. Mean um, Girls vibes as well. Like there's a yeah. scene with a book that she's writing into that yeah. looks sort of like a burn I book. Yeah, They have a lot of like the, what do you call it? The, the lettering of words mm. and stuff also in that burn book. Like lettering. torn out of a magazine, that sort of vibe, yeah. yeah. And I think also the video clip is set in a very, Amer- like strictly American setting. It's prom. Yeah, it, it feels very much like a American high school, which I mm. think is kind of like a order like we're trying to I don't know break the American market I'm not sure (laughs) and I think this one actually did trend well on like the iTunes chart for in the US specifically Mm. so I mean it's baby steps but like getting there right I think 
everyone kind of wants a piece of that American music chart <laughs> pie. <laughs> that billboard chart. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants, everyone wants a little bit of that now. But yeah, like I think it was a really fun song. Like I definitely really like it. Yeah, I love it. It's a banger. It's been on repeat for me. And yeah, I definitely recommend it because I was really nervous because usually mm. when Korean artists try to make English songs, it doesn't turn out well. <laughs> but the moment I finished listening to that one for the first time, I was like, they've done it. JYP has done it. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it like succeeds in the American market, you know, maybe even to the extent of BTS is probably a question mark. I probably wouldn't Mm. like hope for that if I was a Twice fan or Twice themselves. But I think Mm. as a song, like it's a really good song and their fans will really like it. I wonder how it's doing in Korea and in the Asian Mm. market. Like if it's been successful. Because that would be a good question because I think that's still their main market no matter what, Mm. right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like them, yeah. They have tried to do other English songs before. I wouldn't yeah. say they were the best attempts. It, no. They felt a little bit like cash grabs or like just something <laughs> to release. Like, yeah, they just like, oh, you guys can have this, but no one yeah, wanted just, it. Yeah, um, I don't know if that was just to grab like some people, mm-hmm. and maybe they did succeed in that respect. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think for a lot of people, if you already listen to K-pop, you're already kind of given into the fact that it's not in English. So I'm not yeah. really sure. Yeah. Like you don't really care that it's in another language, whether you, yeah. yeah, you've already like decided that you are okay with it because clearly mm. you like K-pop and most of it is in Korean, I suppose. But yeah, listen to Twice the Feels. <laughs> another K-pop recommendation for you because I think we have talked about Stray Kids a lot on this <laughs> podcast. And yes, we do really, really love them and we can keep talking about them if you want. But I mean, we have to diversify ourselves <laughs> as well. We just show we're you that simply a K-pop <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and we're not, we don't just talk about Stray Kids, even though we love them. Love BTS as well. Yeah, I mean, guys, when <laughs> BTS release a new album, just watch us like not stop, okay? <laughs> <laughs> or if they perform in Australia or we get to see them, this will be we'll a, do. a whole episode will be just a breakdown of that experience. Oh my God, we, will, we should totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> and be warned, it'll just be like, oh my God, I love it. They were <laughs> oh my so God, good. did you see this? They're so talented, times seven. <laughs> You can skip that episode if you want. <laughs> their looks are no joke. <laughs> Did you see they have their stage presence? Oh my god! <laughs> it would just be that for an hour. <laughs> yeah, so you look forward to that if they are ever blessed with their presence in real life. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness! <laughs> and yes, Alice, I took your advice. Took my job seriously. I watched all three seasons of Sex and <laughs> sexy oh, oh nice yeah <laughs> so i started from episode one i just restarted it all watched the whole thing for you and Did you enjoy Alice, it you were right it's so good <laughs> it's so good right like yeah i basically binged it over like a couple of days it's so good can you guess try and guess who my favorite character is oh that is hard i'm gonna say eric yes <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Eric. I love Eric. Yeah, it's hard not to love Eric, right? He's, He's such a sweetie. So, so lovable, though. Oh. And lovable and I think, well, all of them are pretty lovable, but I would say he's the most lovable. He's my, he's <laughs> he's my, my boy. Yeah. The most problematic boy. <laughs> I just want him to be happy. <laughs> but yes, it is a great show. I'm very excited for season four because clearly there's <laughs> going to be a season four. It ended with a couple of unknowns. Yeah, I think it's a pretty popular um, series as well. It keeps coming up as like 
popular on my Netflix page, even though I've already seen it. Like, give me something new to recommend. (laughs) (laughs) I've already watched this. (laughs) I've already watched this one. (laughs) Yeah, I would say you're completely right. It's all very entertaining. It's very lovable. It's great to watch the kids develop. So I think one thing you mentioned last time was that you may not like some characters in the beginning and then you grow to love them and see how they develop and yeah, how they change and grow and what their backstory is to maybe explain why they might be acting out in the beginning. So yeah, I would say definitely everyone should watch it. Eric is my favorite. I also love Adam. I love Amy. (laughs) I love Otis. I love Maeve. I'm just listing all the characters now. I'm like, who don't you love at this point? <laughs> I love everyone. I hate the new principal, but that's a bit of a spoiler. So I, <laughs> I think it's interesting that you say Adam because actually he became one of my favorite characters as well, like especially in season three, because in the first season, you're like, why is Adam like this? He's totally terrible. He's a big um, bully. But I think also, like, importantly, the show never treats them like they're bad people as well. Like, even when we all hate um, Adam, I don't think we're forced to, like, you know, pinhole into him into this, like, story. They just, like, allow them room to, like, grow their story and give them depth and everything. So, yeah, like, I really, really think this is such a good teenage comedy coming of age Mm. but it's also like really entertaining and funny I think it it deals with a lot of important issues again said individuality sexuality (laughs) yeah therapy openness of like your feelings and dealing with them in a mature way so many things are happening and everyone is so diverse and different in their own way I think who's the character of Lily I think especially like she Mm. she really likes aliens I think is kind of her thing loves aliens she loves tentacle porn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like it never like shames her they always yeah. like you know, you'll see everyone like sort of support her and want her to flourish in the way that she likes to see herself so yeah I think that's like really important yeah maybe a little bit of spoiler if you haven't watched it like skip this part but I really love the way they developed uh Eric and Adam's relationship so Adam yeah. as well is my favorite because like we said he's a bit of a bully in the beginning and then you see kind of like his home situation and why he might feel that way and he's such a beautiful, dumb boy. Like, there's not a lot going on upstairs, oh in God, a way. A little... <laughs> yeah, he's a bit airy. Just a beautiful himbo. Just There's nothing yeah. going on in the way that society deems important, right? Like, he may not be particularly gifted at math or school, might have, like, learning difficulties. But he's just really trying hard and learns to grow and show love and be more confident in himself and he loves dogs and I just think he's such a sweetie (laughs) I love him yeah especially in season three we see so much more of him and then we see this like like real turn like he finds out stuff that he's passionate about he really grows in his relationship but also like grows in his confidence in himself and the ability to express himself in a Mm. particular way um and not being afraid to show it because people are all again they're all different we all show our personalities and our individuality in different ways we're not not stuck to certain linear relationships and of like sexuality and, and now and our personalities and stuff so I think they did a really good job with him and like the relationship with his parents is a pretty tricky one as well mm-hmm. that they could have kind of made like very obvious but I think even giving like some of the parents um a story is pretty important in this as well you know it's, it's hard yeah. to have children especially when you're not equipped um <laughs> in the beginning to have these relationships and stuff like that like you you only know what you've been taught right mm-hmm. and you haven't been 
order, then it's difficult to pass on. So I think, yeah, it's probably an important important lesson in appreciating or understanding people and where they come from and not judging them solely on thing that they say. And definitely schools should have really comprehensive sex education. Yeah, go Gillian Anderson. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure in high school I didn't have a single lesson. We definitely did, but no one no, like, I my class didn't have a lesson. I swear to God. Did I th- did you do the condom on banana thing? Because we never got to do that. Yeah, we didn't get to How do come? that. How come? Some classes did it. I know this because we all asked for it and we never got it. <laughs> Where's my banana condom? Yeah, we were all like, we want to do this because it was funny, right? Like, <laughs> It was just like, it seemed like something that was really fun to do and then we never got it and I swear another class did it. So hey, Jackie's class did it. So again, why is the education different even within the same grade? I'm not sure. <laughs> we never got to do the... I never got to. Saying that, we did get sex, edu- 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 blah, sex education, just maybe not as comprehensive as other people. Like we got shown the videos and everything like, oh, it's okay to do this and this. Like, don't worry. <laughs> the only thing I remember being taught was just like, oh, like these are the diseases you can get. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing like a project on chlamydia. <laughs> I don't remember that part. I just remember them teaching us the parts of the vagina. And then I think one of the teachers was like, and this is the fallopian tube. Like they did like the, like they use their body to mimic the shape of the fallopian tube. That's all I remember. I can't even remember who did that, but I do very much remember someone going like this. Yeah. Okay. So I'll never forget. Sad I missed out on a classroom experience to do the banana condom thing. I feel like that's such an iconic part of sex education in films mm-hmm. and tv and pop culture mm-hmm. i'm sad i missed out on that well yeah i don't know i feel like that's it's just made up yeah no one does it <laughs> i feel like, yeah i 100 percent think you wouldn't do that because surely i don't know anyone who has except jackie now <laughs> jackie now god they probably got all the um resources and then used them all up okay all the bananas and condoms <laughs> <laughs> used none and we didn't have any more <laughs> This public school couldn't afford any more bananas. Honestly, it seems like such a miss. Like, yeah. What was all the school funding going towards? <laughs> Buildings? <laughs> and not our education? <laughs> oh, well, I'm sad. I missed yeah. out on that. Okay. But sex education, do watch it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> You'll learn a lot. Yeah, I think so. But I think I, even I was learning more about people, like their experiences. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> stuff that you wouldn't think about normally I think because maybe you're not exposed to it or maybe it's because we didn't get the proper sex education I don't know (laughs) I I don't want to blame anybody (laughs) I don't want to blame the New South Wales education system but it is what it is is. (laughs) so I mean I'm not sure at what point do we transition (laughs) that to this point (laughs) so (laughs) should I insert some Royalty free, spooky <laughs> Halloween music. <laughs> so actually, I mean, it isn't such a far cry to talk about. Gonna it's going to say the very first scene. We did this on purpose, guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, if we were in an alternative world, if Carrie herself had received sex education, this movie might have turned out a lot differently. <laughs> I think it would be a very happy ending, potentially. I think. Yeah, everyone would just have a nice time and get on with their lives. But anyway, <laughs> so Carrie, the 1976 film, it was directed by Brian De Palma, but it was written, oh, it was based on a book called Carrie by, Carrie, sorry. I keep saying Carrie, like American, but I'm not. Um, it's Carrie. 
Carrietta. Carrietta. By Stephen King, who is very, uh, I guess, well-known horror author. The book version, I think, has been banned in a lot of states. Really? Yeah, because it kind of deals with um, underage sex and Mm. violence. And there's a lot of, like, things going on. So I'm not sure if all of that made it to the movie, to be honest. Mm. This movie, it's it's a classic horror movie. We've all seen imagery from it. I don't know how much of it you had seen prior to watching this. <laughs> I had seen the prom dress and yeah. the aftermath of the prom dress after the prank, but I hadn't like seen anything else from the movie. Okay. Like, what's your experience with horror movies in general? Maybe we should preface this. Like, our experience mm-hmm. with horror, the horror genre as our dear Frankenstein. Francis Stein, sorry. Frankenstein, please. <laughs> it's Francis Stein for you. Look, I'm a big baby. I can't watch <laughs> horror movies. It's very hard for me. I remember as a kid, like a friend and I went to Video Easy, which is like a blockbuster that used to exist here. And we rented The Ring and we watched it. Oh my God. And then <laughs> the first jump scare killed us both. Yeah. And we just stopped watching. And I don't know why her parents like let us rent it because we were quite young <laughs> and they were just watching it with us. And then we ran away. And stopped watching and they just kept watching the movie. <laughs> Don't you think that that would be you as an adult though? Like, oh, fuck it. Like, <laughs> just whatever, go away. Yeah. <laughs> like, selfishly, you want to watch this movie and yeah. if your little kids can't handle it, then it's on them, right? <laughs> not you. It's not These your These are problem. the consequences of you choosing this movie. But yeah, so I, I struggle with, I think, mainly jump scares and suspense. Yeah. So I think like goriness, like I can handle, like I can cover my eyes or kind of like squint at it, but it's like the suspense and jump scares that really get me. So I haven't watched heaps of horror movies. Like I've, I try to watch ones that, you know, get really, get a lot of critical acclaim, like Get Out or Midsummer. When I hear a lot about it, I try to watch it. So it's not something I choose for myself. It's not something <laughs> I'm like, oh, fun, a scary movie. So I think that's probably why I've never seen Carrie and this was my first time. What about you, Malice? <laughs> it's actually really funny that you said you mentioned the ring. Are you talking about the the American version of it? It was the American version, yeah. yeah. Because I also watched this movie as a child and also was absolutely traumatized by it. <laughs> and it was a family movie night. I don't know what, what? it was. What is happening? <laughs> so we have family movie night. So we go to Blockbuster and then we could rent like Usually it was like something that was a new release, so something a little bit more fun and exciting. So yeah, it was one, it was a time when it was like a new release and then we watched it as a family. And then like because we watched it as a family, I know where to go, right? Like mm. I had to sit there and watch it or else I'd be like <laughs> alone somewhere else in the house thinking about this movie. So I'm like, I had to sit through it and I was absolutely traumatized by it. I couldn't sleep the whole night because I kept picturing, oh God, I'm getting like oh. goosebumps. Thinking about it. Like just like think of the little kid. I think oh. it wasn't even... It wasn't even the the girl. It was the little kid. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I see everything and I'm like, holy moly. Like, I'm so terrified at this point. And actually, years later, I think I saw a little bit of The Ring on TV. Like, I was just, like, switching through channels. Yeah. And like, The Ring had come on. And I was so, like, traumatized by these, like, particular scenes. I couldn't even move to, like, <laughs> change the channel. Like, oh I was God. actually just, like, shaking. <laughs> Jesus. It, it, was, it was a, I don't know. A, so it's funny that you actually talk about the ring because I think maybe we we went through the same trauma. I think. <laughs> Traumatized I by the ring. We dealt with it in different ways, I think. Me with complete <laughs> avoidance. 
I think during uni, I want to say, or maybe after uni, I think I started getting more into, is it supernatural, like vampires and like Mm. monster movies? And I think that was sort of like the gateway for me to be like, oh, like it's not all bad. Like there are definitely horror movies that I can watch without it being like, you know, deathly frightening or something like yeah. that. So I definitely found my own niche in horror, the horror genre. And it's definitely not anything like The Conjuring or anything like that. But like, yeah, anything to do with like monsters or like serial killers, like slasher movies and stuff, <laughs> I like completely fine with me. And I think also as part of like, maybe my want to understand some of the horror genre is to, was to like watch some of the older stuff. So mm. I think I did watch Carrie because I was like, oh, this is a classic. I feel like I should watch it just to sort of like understand <laughs> the origins <laughs> of the horror genre. I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess to like understand the tropes of horror genre, you need to watch the stuff that kind of mm. started it, right? So I did watch Carrie and I actually quite enjoyed it. And I don't think it's as bad as, to me, I didn't mm. think it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took a number of precautions. So first, yeah. I watched it complete daylight. <laughs> I had yeah, someone so else next to start. me <laughs> to yeah. yeah keep me company in case something happened. Yeah. But I would agree with something that you had said earlier to me, which is that older movies tend to be a bit less scary. I think it's because just like the quality of films and special effects, yeah. it just doesn't really compare to something like yeah, The Conjuring or whatever where you have crazy jump scares. So there are some sort of like jump mo- jumping moments in this movie as well, but it, it yeah. doesn't quite hit you the same way as maybe a more modern movie would. So it's a bit yeah. more easy to take. More subdued. And I think also because we are so familiar with some of the imagery that comes out of it, it's like less shocking mm. because you kind of know at the end she's going to be covered in blood. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know that that's kind of building up. So you kind of know the plot line. I think that kind of sets you up for the end therefore, like, it's not as scary. And, yeah, as you say, like, it's realistically the special effects kind of deter it. As soon as you've got that fuzzy kind of <laughs> imagery and then things, the pixels, <laughs> blood doesn't look as real. You're kind of like, okay, I can kind of – I think the idea of it being fiction is maybe more present. So yeah. you don't feel like it's as bad. And I don't think there are too many jump scares in this one. I think it's very much like a classic horror movie in that it uses a lot of like lighting mm. and sound to depict that horror rather than visual effects or, you know, jump scares and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not big on jump scares either, to be honest. Yeah, totally. I think it, instead of relying on yeah jump scares, it's just very, very moody and atmospheric and you get this sense of unease and this tension, and I think that's done really well. So it's still scary. It's still scary. In, you yeah, know, like it has that horror, like like you just feel that un- unease, and that's like really successfully done. But you're not like the ring. You're not just like scared <laughs> in that way. Where you feel like a ghost is gonna come get you. Yeah, I think especially in the ring, and maybe it's is it because I watched the American version. I feel like American movies are not they're not masters of subtlety. I have to say, <laughs> uh, so everything has. Yeah, everything has to be like in your face for it to be scary. Whereas I think yeah. there is something to be said about, you know, having a little bit of a nuanced take and like building up tension through other ways, whether it be through sound. And I think sound is really important in this movie. I'll talk about it later. But yeah, like to go through the plot, do you want to talk about that? Carrie is an unpopular girl at school. And then suddenly after years of bullying, she gets invited to the prom where... Some bad things happen. Oh, so bad. Oh, so bad. <laughs> Not good. Well, yeah, I guess to start the movie, I was actually quite shocked because, well, firstly, it starts with a volleyball game. And I want you to know that they weren't playing volleyball really well. <laughs> Jackie was watching. I was like, that's a carry. Like, they should be penalized for that move. So that's his expertise there. 
not volleyball accurate, but not that's volleyball fine. accurate. Yep. So, <laughs> Brian, we have words for you. One of like the first segments, you're inside a girl's locker room, and I was like shocked by all the nudity. I was like, yeah. "Whoa, so many naked people!" <laughs> so this is like really typical of like seventies, eighties, especially teen movies. For some reason, nudity is not frowned upon at this point in time. It's only like in later years when we get like really fussy about censorship. So it's kind of a, it's kind of strange because we would have grown up with the censorship, right? You know, the yeah. parental advisory thing. But like, if you watch like. I'm trying to, I can't think of any at the top of my head, but definitely like teenage films at this point in time, there is a lot of topless women, like not bottomless guys or anything, but specifically yeah. topless women. Like Very present. A lot of topless women, but also like downstairs areas. You're seeing stuff that I think usually is not mm. seen on mainstream media. Like you're seeing pubic hair, like you're yeah. seeing just nakedness. Isn't that like a reflection of how we see like kids these days like we tend to like sexualize them a lot so seeing like seeing like a naked woman's body you're kind of like oh like that's wrong or like I don't know it's kind of seen as wrong where actually it's like natural I wouldn't would you say in the scene like it's being sexualized in that matter no because yeah the whole scene is uh, filmed quite slowly and sort of you're sort of panning through this like locker room full of women some of who are in various states of undress and it's sort Mm. of yeah, kind of sensual in a way, but particularly when you start focusing on Carrie because mm-hmm. she is showering and the camera like really focuses on bits of her body and like pans over her kind of cleaning herself with soap. And it's sort of, yeah, kind of like this, the beauty of the human body sort of vibe, yeah. but also sort of, yeah, sensual. And it's weird because I think in this particular scene, you really feel that everyone's just really comfortable with themselves as well. Yeah. Carrie too, it- seems really comfortable in her own body and then I guess this is the point where she's she sees blood and it's a very explicit image of her legs and blood gushing between them and I think Mm -hmm. it's probably something that's very confronting in general because I think even when it comes to periods on tv we very we rarely see that sort of imagery on tv we rarely Mm -hmm. see period blood it's usually like a vague blue liquid even on ads (laughs) so it's sort of like oh this is what it actually looks like (laughs) Yeah, it's weird because I think we talk about it. Well, we're starting to talk about it a little bit more, but to actually see like imagery of it is probably not. It's we're not there yet. We're not yeah. there yet. For some reason, period even blood, in twenty twenty one, we're not there yet. Yeah, like it seems like it's more confronting than regular blood, even though technically it's like made of the same thing. Like yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It is a pretty confronting image, especially with Carrie. So she, you find out that she doesn't know what. The, what a period is and then she like totally freaks out understandably yeah um, and then she like, thinks she's dying yeah fair enough like if you didn't know what's happening yeah like it's pretty you know blood isn't meant to come out of there right yeah um, and then she like runs around like the whole locker room and she's like touching everyone I guess with like blood on her hands and like I don't know like she's screaming and everything and all the girls like they start like laughing at her because mm. and then they ch- start chucking pads and tampons at her and you're like this is awful. <laughs> Instead, it's, of- it's a very intense scene. Yeah, it's absolutely awful. So they like start, yeah, chucking all this like uh, sanitary pads and everything at her, and then they start chanting "plug it up" oh. as well. It's like such a bad scene, and you just you can't help but like feel really bad for her because like clearly she she seems like quite she's not as mature as the other girls mm. maybe, and so she doesn't know what she's going. She's very confused, and she's also very shy, so she doesn't know what to do in this in this scenario. Yeah. Um, and then she's just been, like huddled in a corner, like totally like crying. 
and panicking and everything. It's very intense, yeah, because you're just like in this locker room and you can just feel this sense of her being trapped and alone and she's so vulnerable. She's like naked in the shower with blood on her hands and on her legs and this relentless sort of screaming and chanting from all these really cruel girls. They're so mean to her. So mean. really, yeah, surprised me just how, like this was really intense bullying. And then the, the gym teacher, she comes in and she's just like, what's the commotion? Like, what's going on? I think this teacher character as well is like really interesting to me. I have so many questions about this teacher. <laughs> yeah, I really want to know. And maybe it's because we don't know enough about like uh, teacher roles at this particular time. Mm. But she kind of goes in and she's like, what's happening? Like, tell me what's happening. So people tell her and they're like, oh, like Carrie just got her period. And then so she like goes to Carrie and her first reaction is really just to be like, what are you doing? Why are you freaking out? And she like slaps her as well. Yeah. And this isn't the first time this teacher slaps a student. And I was very oh. shocked because I've no, I don't know if the movie is trying to say anything about this teacher because generally she seems like a nice lady who is on mm-hmm. Carrie's side and trying to support her. So I was just like, is this just the 70s? The teachers just go around <laughs> slapping their students and I didn't know. I think like to me, her first reaction is to slap usually. So like yeah. instead of being like, you know, asking what's wrong first. Her first reaction is to like knock it out of them first. But like, I don't know, because I'm not surprised by, sorry, the the physical punishment of it all. I think it's just more like physical punishment if there is a place for it, right? Like yeah. if someone did something bad, then the way we would punish now is different to how they would punish like back then. But there'd be a punishment, right? You, we all mm. agree that there is a punishment involved. But I think like... <laughs> These people don't need to be punished first and then ask questions later. Like, is the slap yeah. not a punishment then? Like, is it just a greeting? Like, not a greeting, but like <laughs> a way to yeah. like, up or assert your authority maybe in the beginning. I'm not really sure, but I do have questions about this teacher because I do question her role um, mm. in this story. But anyways, like, so in this particular scene, she goes up to Carrie, who's like curled up in the corner in the shower, and then she like – realizes quite quickly that Carrie actually doesn't know what's going on. And then she's like, okay, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And she tries to comfort her as well. And then like Carrie, like I think this is the first part where we see that she might have like a supernatural power because you see like, again, that piercing sound. And then she does make something move, but like, it's not like a huge thing. And she doesn't even know what's going on either. The light bursts in the ceiling. So it kind of, I guess, you know, a lot's been written about this, but it's sort of her starting puberty and starting menstruation has sort of triggered this awakening of a mm-hmm. telekinesis powers. Yeah, we then move on to like the principal's office where the teacher is talking to the principal. And I think the teacher's stance on this is very much like, oh, it's just a period. Like, it's not a big deal. It's actually the principal who is a male who's like, no, we should just send her home. Like, clearly this girl has been traumatized. Like, whether or not. <laughs> Um, what's happened to her is natural or not is not really the point here like in mm. my view the fact is like she didn't know what was happening I don't know she was really frightened she's being bullied really like awfully by these girls like she probably should just go home and just relax for a little bit like just feel like it's been a day right <laughs> yeah no I mean sadly she does go home but then you quickly realize that her life at home isn't great because she lives with a capital C Christian <laughs> So her mom has like all this like Christian memorability, memorabilia like all across the house, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with having a cross <laughs> here or there. But she has like the Last Supper painting yeah. by the dining table. I'm like, that's a little bit like intense. 
intense. It's a bit confronting at every meal. You're just confronted by Jesus's death. Like to me, that painting kind of like is the thing that happens before his death, right? Like, yeah, and the betrayal so, and all that. Yeah, so it's kind of like, well, that's a bit much. <laughs> so her mom is also like, she kind of looks like a witch. Like she has this long curly She's sort of robe, red hair right? and she wears a robe and a cape and she just looks super gothic. And the inside of the house just looks like a horror movie because like you said, it's not, there's nothing wrong with having crosses and other, you know, religious artifacts, but it's also just super dark in there and moody and you're just instantly like, what the hell is wrong with this house? It looks really scary. <laughs> I think the mom gets a call from the school and I think it's the gym teacher telling her exactly what's happened. And the mom's reaction is very strange or like not, I guess, typical of a mom in this uh, circumstance. Because now when, as soon as the mom speaks, you understand why Carrie doesn't actually know what a period is. Explains so much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because her mom forgot to tell her. Her mom like explicitly was like, this is a sin, like period, puberty is suddenly a sin. She makes her say like Eve is weak or Eve was weak, sorry, mm. and she makes her say that. as it, And it, it's such a strange thing to have your daughter say as a woman, I think. <laughs> you yeah, clearly get the sense that this mom has a lot of issues and yeah. Carrie is sort of at this point just begging her and being like, why didn't you tell me this was going to happen? Because obviously from Carrie's point of view, if her mom had told her like, what periods were and why they happened. She wouldn't have freaked out and maybe she wouldn't have gotten bullied like that. So she's like begging her mom. And her mom, like you said, just seems to think Carrie somehow brought this on herself by being impure, by being sinful. And now that she has her period, she's like a fallen woman. And yeah. she starts like reading Bible verses and shit. Yeah. And then I think she also talks about like penetration, which like we don't ever see so we have no reason to believe it ever happened <laughs> so like I think it's just a very twisted view on like what it is to be a woman mm. I think and I think you do get glimpses of that mostly like at, towards like the end of the movie but like in this particular scene you kind of are trying to piece together a little bit of like the mom's personality and why she has like maybe got into this stage of like being so extreme with this point of view and then she I think she locks Carrie in a to try and pray the sin away she just like yeah. locks her up there's this like sorry but it's a creepy G statue of Jesus in there like he has like shining lights and and she lights a match and like it glows and stuff like that and you, I guess you get the sense that she's this is not her first radio in the cupboard like she's been there a long time or she's been there a while I also was not told what periods were so when I got it I also thought I was dying oh god but I didn't react like Carrie <laughs> I, I mean, was just like why <laughs> why this happening why is this happening why am I bleeding yeah, I mean, I guess it's the importance of education, That's right, about your I'm own saying. body. <laughs> whether your mom is an insane Christian woman, whether it's just my mom in real life, it would have been very helpful for both of these mothers to tell their daughters, V and Carrie, what, what it was. 100%. 100%. We need education, guys. <laughs> we need sex education. <laughs> I guess after this... You, yeah, you realize what an, what sort of like abusive situation Carrie mm -hmm. is in, why she's so quiet and meek, I guess, mm -hmm. and why she doesn't fit in with other kids. Because you also see like the other kids like have their hair blown out the big 70s way. They're wearing like really nice clothes, whereas Carrie has like stick straight blonde hair. She doesn't look like, you know, she's wearing makeup or anything and her skirt is like down to her ankles. So you get the sense yeah. that she might be getting bullied for how she dresses and looks as well. Yeah, I think so. And again, this is the influence of her mom. I think when her mom comes home, like before she 
finds out about the whole period thing um she you can see her putting on like a cardigan and stuff so she's definitely like oh my god my mom's here i gotta like cover up because Mm. i think this is something that her mom has pushed as an agenda like you know to be like a pure woman you need to like be uh, modest and things like that so she's definitely projecting all her views onto carrie and then carrie is sort of like carrying them and suffering at school (laughs) yes suffering at school for it after this you kind of see what punishment the um, girls get from the gym teacher for bullying Carrie like that. First, the teacher threatens to take away their prom tickets. And it's like a really weird <laughs> thing where they say, you can't go to prom if you don't have a date. Yeah, they say this a lot in the movie. And is this the like... thing again? I'm like, is this the 70s? Like, was that what life was like? Because, yeah, they, they say this a lot. So it, it must be a rule. But I'm like, this is like the worst rule ever. Because yeah, why? <laughs> it doesn't make sense because... What if there was an unequal amount of boys and girls or that's whatever? That's a question. Does someone have to miss out just because purely of numbers? Like, that doesn't seem fair to me. Like, yeah. it's very strange. I like, I don't know if this is, like, this is just a rule that they had because, I don't know, historically dances were for couples only or something. Yeah, it's I don't high know. Oh, yeah, I just, like, totally didn't understand that. And I was like... Yeah, like, what if you just don't have a date? Like, why yeah. can you not go? Or is this, like, a carry? Movie exclusive. <laughs> Is this from the seventies or just from Carrie? I don't know. I thought that was very strange, but yeah, she threatens this girl, saying, "I wanted to take away your prom tickets, but we can't do that. Mm. So instead, you're getting detention with me." And yeah, this is the point where the teacher, one of the students, sort of like you know rebels and says, "We shouldn't be punished." Or she's a bit of a brat, mm-hmm. to be honest. Her name is Chris. Yeah. And then the teacher slaps her. I mean, at this point, you're kind of like. I forgive this slap because she kind of deserved it. Like she talked. Well, I think in this point because Hulk she should get back, hit. Like, well, she talked back at the teacher, so you yeah. can like the fact that she got punished. It doesn't seem out of line. Whereas, like, when you first see her slap Carrie, you're like, "But why? Why did you slap her? She didn't yeah. deserve a punishment, I suppose." And I don't know if that's because we're already sympathetic towards Carrie, and whereas mm. we see this Chris character, and we're like, "Yeah, you're a brat. Like, why? You know, you did something awful. I think you should own up to it, right?" That's what some yeah. of the other girls have kind of been like. Yeah, like they know that they did something bad, right? Whether they feel sorry for it, I don't know, but um, they definitely know what they've done. But yeah, instead of um, taking away their prom ticket, she makes them do like a gym class every day, which I also think wasn't that bad of a punishment. Like. <laughs> It's just exercise. Gym class, like, isn't that just PE? Like, don't they have to do that anyway? So an additional 50 minutes every day. Yeah, whatever. Like, it didn't seem that bad. And then you see them actually, like, do the gym class with her. And it's just, like, star jumps and stuff like that. And, like, yeah, like, it seems pretty tough and pretty harsh. But, I mean, it would be worse, right? (laughs) I feel like getting rid of their prom tickets would have been an actual, like, you. These are the consequences you miss out on having a night of fun because you were awful, terrible bullies to this poor girl. 100%. And they seem, like, genuinely upset. Oh, they look devastated. (laughs) They look like they're going to lose their lives. (laughs) As with every other teenage movie, prom seems to be a a very um, harsh punishment. (laughs) Just prom is everything. And I guess this is kind of like the start of the problem, I guess, to come in this movie. So that Chris girl, she, after the gym class, she kind of gets fed up because I think she's tired. (laughs) She's probably, you know, being over-exercised and she's like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think she, like, refuses to move or she refuses Mm. to participating in the gym class. And so the teacher is kind of like, yeah, okay, so you don't get to go to prom. And then, understandably, this girl is, like, really upset and pissed. Not only at the teacher, but also not being able to go to prom. So... (laughs) 
that I guess is like kind of the start of where we see all the complications coming up. So instead of being like, oh, this is a punishment because of my terrible behavior, she puts mm-hmm. all the blame back on Carrie and and is sort of like of the mindset, because of Carrie, I can't go to prom. Yeah, so she's like, I hate Carrie. Yes. She's <laughs> very much in that mindset. Um, and then whilst this is all happening, we see that Carrie is finally coming to terms and understanding her telekinesis power. So she's like, you can see scenes of her going to the library and looking up books and stuff. And I think she looks up a book and it's called The Secret Science Behind Miracles. And in this, she finds out what telekinesis is. I think it's kind of interesting that the wording is called miracle because mm. I think it's a very like religious Religious, term. yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to interpret that. But I was just like, oh, that's pretty – I don't know if they put that in um, on purpose or is mm. that an actual – book but I feel like potentially it might be it might have been easier for Carrie to understand and kind of put in the context of her own religion if it was a miracle like potentially Jesus or God is giving me this gift versus like this weird thing happening to her yeah because I think for a lot of it even though her mother is really harsh and like puts this very extreme view of Christianity on her Carrie herself does believe in God and does Mm. believe in religion so and yeah maybe and stuff yeah yeah like she actually genuinely like believes in it so the fact that it is put into a context of religion in your right is probably the way that she does accept it so readily because she's kind of mm. like okay yeah, we'll get to <laughs> yeah just like, i'm telekinetic so now this, this is what's happening to me <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you get your period <laughs> yeah but you, i think you believe that because you don't put carrie in the same level as the other girls like she does seem like she's kind of seems very like apart right so she's Mm. like isolated so the things that she might accept might be different to what other people perceive as normal because I guess you could say she hasn't grown up in a very normal in quotation marks household yeah at this point you see Mr. John Travolta make his entrance because you realize he is Chris's boyfriend and his name is Billy (laughs) so Billy and Chris they are an awful couple They are totally problematic. He is totally abusive and controlling. It's the most toxic relationship. Yeah, because I think they always argue and then he says something awful to her and then she'll be like, shut up, you're a shit or something. And then he'll like slap slap her. her. Yeah. It's like, whoa, like as if you didn't just call her a shit just then as well. And I think this scene, like besides all the abusive stuff that's happening, it's to me, I can't get over the fact that he drank a beer and there was beer all over his chin and he didn't wipe it away. Like, <laughs> you see it because there are like street lights, it's shining and his like chin area is just dripping. So, what happens is he opens the beer. So, someone chucks him a beer from the car and then he opens it and then it kind of foams up because it's been chucked, right? It's, yeah. it's carbon. It <laughs> and like it bubbles up and it kind of gets all over him and then he kind of brushes it off. You know, like when you get something on your, like when you yeah. drink something and it tips over a little bit too much and then you kind of like wipe it away with your finger. But like because it's so much, you have to wipe away like pretty cleanly to get it all off. But he only does a little bit and so it's still there. And his <laughs> like his chin is just shiny for the rest of the scene. I just like can't not see it. Like <laughs> just his shiny chin. I just can't take him seriously because I'm like, brother, it's like beer all over you. Like in <laughs> <get> a tissue. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty gross, right? <laughs> but yeah, they have a very dysfunctional relationship. Like you said, they're fighting, they're slapping, then they're like being sexy and flirtatious and then they're going back to arguing and slapping and 100% these two should not be together because I think they just bring out the worst in each other and I think that comes through throughout the movie yes I think so and at this point she kind of tells Billy 
that she hates Carrie. Yeah. And I think this is the point where, like, okay, they're going to do something about it. And then right after that, you find out that Tommy, which is, like, this blonde um, goddess of a man mm-hmm. who's, like, mm-hmm. one of the most popular boys in school, he's <laughs> actually dating one of the other popular girls, Sue, who was also part of the bullying party. He asks Carrie to prom, and you kind of realise it's a ploy. Well, at, at first, like, when I was watching it, I, I thought it was a ploy from Sue, like she was doing a deliberate yeah. somehow to trick or hurt Carrie. So, yeah, so she goes, please ask Carrie to prom. Tommy asks her. And Tommy asks her to prom, and at first Carrie's like, no, like. And you get the sense that she has a bit of a crush on him because during poetry class, when the teacher's reading it, she's like, oh, it's beautiful. And, you know, she has a bit of a crush on him. But at first she's like, no, and then he, like, pressures her into saying yes. Yeah, essentially. And Tommy, yeah, like you say, he's meant to be, like, a really popular guy. He looks like he's 30 or something like that. Like, he does not does look like high school. school. You know what? I was saying to her, I was like, he looks like he's been in high school but probably overstayed his visit for, like, <laughs> like five repeated, years. like, yeah. yeah I think grades. he literally repeated, like, high, like senior year of high school, like, five times because, I mean. He looks yeah. like, like, Fabio. <laughs> like, he should be on the front cover of a romance novel because he has <laughs> a like, long curly hair. <laughs> Like the California edition because yeah. he's got the blonde hair rather than like dark brown the hair. The boy, yeah. But yeah. he definitely looks too old for the school. <laughs> or for high school. Yeah. And yeah, so he, um, I guess, so he's like, I guess, going out with Sue. And I think you kind of do get a sense that maybe she's might, you think this is a trick, but like throughout the beginnings of the movie, you can see like she's probably, she's not really a bad person. She's kind of like being pressured to do this because it's just the norm to bully Carrie for some reason. Mm, it's become and fit in with the popular kids. Exactly. But she does have a conscious conscience, which is what we can't say about Chris. So like Chris, you've seen like has been very open with her feelings about Carrie and being like, I don't want to be punished even though I did something bad. Whereas Sue's kind of like, she doesn't really, I guess, rebel against the teacher, but she also like doesn't say that she doesn't deserve it because I think she does deep down know. And then so she genuinely thinks that this would be a really kind thing to do, I guess, in getting Tommy to ask us the prompt. So she's the one who initiates this conversation with Tommy and was like, I want you to ask Carrie. And then he's the one being like, why? <laughs> Why should I do Why? That? Yeah. I guess, again, with the whole prom rule is that if you don't have a date to the prom, you can't go. So she's yeah. essentially giving up her position to give Carrie a, a go. And like me, the teacher is very suspicious when she learns about this. Yeah. Um, so the teacher's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you up to? Yeah. What are you planning? And both yeah. like Tommy and Sue are just like, well, Tommy's just like, well, I'm just doing what she's asking me. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I'm just doing what my girlfriend told me to do. <laughs> like, don't at me. Yeah, and so he was just like, well, I genuinely think that it'd be good if Carrie could go. Like, it'd be really fun. And I think the other thing that's pretty pretty interesting is that so the gym teacher talks to Carrie and it's kind of like, oh, like, what's wrong? Like, you feel you look really sad. And then Carrie talks about how Tommy asked her and that, you know, she probably won't go because it's kind of like silly, I guess. Mm. But then it's, it's the gym teacher who was just like, oh, you should go. Like, it'll be so fun. You'll look so pretty. And she's giving her all these like compliments and everything and saying she's so like ready to, I don't know. And beautiful and all yeah, that. Yeah, like, you know, you should definitely put on some mascara and you'll open up your eyes and put a little curl. You look so good. And then the scene straight after this, she's just talking to Tommy being like, why'd you do that? Like, don't you yeah. know how that would look? to me I was like does a gym teacher like Carrie or not like it's kind of hard to like see because on one stage you know she is like trying to help Carrie and trying to help her blossom and stuff like that and be supportive but on the other hand she doesn't believe that Carrie could be anything other than Carrie she couldn't believe that she would ever like 
be popular and almost like you know, she's so uncool like why would you take her to the dance yeah like, it's always like you do find out later that actually she like she used to be one of the popular kids so you're kind of like well where does she stand then <laughs> it's yeah probably it's, where my head was she at. seems so complicated because yeah like she's sort of like uh, the closest to a mother figure like an actual mm-hmm. loving caring mother figure in carrie's life because her own mother is like insane so she does like care for Carrie and like kind of bring up her confidence in that way. I get the sense when she was talking to the other students, like she just understands the dynamic and understands that potentially if Carrie were to go, they might laugh at her or she might be the butt of the joke. So she's just like looking out for her. But yeah, it's just strange because on one hand, she's like slapping students. On one hand, she's so caring. And I'm like, I don't know, was she a bully in high school? Is she trying to atone for it or is she just yeah, projecting like, something? What is she trying to do? Like she's basically helping out both sides by doing that I think she's kind of lost a clear pathway for her morals maybe mm. like you don't know where her like values lie anymore like you kind of like, yeah she's just this person who's just whoever she's talking to she'll just support <laughs> so. she's very strange I don't yeah I was a bit confused by her <laughs> yeah so after that Tommy you know goes back to Carrie and is like please go to prom with me he like drives up to her house and she eventually agrees I guess throughout this whole bit you're like kind of getting this sense of unease like what's going to actually happen at prom because it's all the setup is happening and then you see the popular kids go to the pig farm (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I mean these kids are insane yeah to go to a pig farm (laughs) and to bash in a pig's head to collect Pig oh blood. my god, it is honestly like is deranged. I, honestly, I think this is very much a product of the time, but it's a in a strange way, it's because it is so graphic and so in your face. So like even the bullying and stuff, we don't see bullies like this anymore. I think mm. because we understand that bullying is sort of different, or like we can bully in other ways, but I think with like movies of this maybe era. A lot of it is like physical bullying. Mm. So you can see like the throwing of the pads and stuff at her, taunting, calling her names. And then in this one, they actually go to the lengths of like killing pigs for the sake of humiliation. Like this is crazy. Like this is is next level, right? Like, and I guess because we know what's coming, we're like, oh, we know why they're killing pigs. Yeah. (laughs) But I I knew I'm familiar with the story when I just instantly saw the picture of the pigs and they were at a pig farm. I was like, okay, this is where they're collecting the blood. But yeah, when I was watching with Jackie, he was so confused. He was like, why are they, what's, what's the deal with this pig farm? Like he was very lost. And then was it like surprised when you see them like killing the pigs? Yeah. Yeah. I I can imagine for people watching it for the first time back in, you know, in the seventies, this was, you know, very shocking. Yeah, oh, extremely shocking. <laughs> it's not something you would imagine, right? Like you wouldn't think immediately, okay, pig's blood, got it. Yeah. I could um, sit around and think, so what's a really good revenge plot? Pig's yeah. blood. Mm, very odd. Very odd. Um, yeah, we do. We don't see a pig being killed, but you know a pig has been killed. And then Carrie, after she's been asked um, by prom to, to by Tommy, tells her mom, oh, I'm going to go to prom. I'm going with this guy and her mom. As we know from the beginning of the movie, what her personality like, she is not happy with this deci- this decision. She totally doesn't want Carrie to go. She thinks it's like totally sinful and all these other things. But Carrie is very much like, I really want to go. I think this will be so fun. Like it'll chance, it's like the last chance for me to do something like normal. So you can see like Carrie at this point is just like crying out to her mom to like, please like begging her please let me just do one thing right yeah she's been 
so good. Like the rest of her life, she's like listened to her mother and done everything she said. It just wants this one thing. And then she's trying to sell it like, oh, Tommy's a really good guy. You really like him. Even though I think you don't really think that she knows Tommy. She's just kind of like. She's just sort of like idealized him in her head, yeah. I think. Yes. Because I think the way that he sells the prom to her as well is that like, oh, you really liked my poem in English class. <laughs> So that's why I picked you <laughs> because you're because she is so like naive. You would totally like believe whatever he says. Yeah, and he says something nice because you get the sense that not many people are really nice to her. That maybe she would just like grasp onto this one thing. Yeah, um, as a you know, even if it's a total lie, like it's just that little hope that maybe she is doing something that's like noticeable in the world and this scene is very atmospheric like they're having dinner on opposite sides of the table you see the last supper painting the lighting is super moody and you just get this sense that something is going to happen and obviously her mom goes insane she just talks about how boys are going to corrupt you and it once again goes on a religious nonsense and at this is at the stage where carrie i think kind of like puts her foot down and is like i have telekinesis powers and i can do shit so you can't stop me and then mm-hmm. her mom again loses her mind and calls her a witch and says, like, you got Satan powers. Yeah. And then even with her telekinesis, she kind of is like, no, this is normal. <laughs> this is yeah, like, other, what do you mean? <laughs> other people have this too. Like I read about it. So I think it's again her innocence coming out where even when something supernatural happens to her, she's like, oh, but like I'm not alone. Like it's fine. I read it in a like, book. I did my research. Like, I'm not alone anymore. Like I'm. It, this is not unusual. It's like almost her trying to like, I guess, make up for all the high school years where she was alone. Like suddenly she has found, even if it's through reading, she has found like maybe a community or something. So she's kind of like, no, this I've got this power and it's fine. <laughs> it's normal. And she definitely uses it against, uses it against her mother, and she uses it as kind of like in lieu of a voice I would say so yeah it's a pretty intense scene and then I think she actually makes things like move and like shatter and stuff yeah, she and like then closes all the windows and she's like I'm going and her mom is really scared I would yeah. be too to be fair <laughs> her mom also you realize that the reason the dad's not in the picture is because he left for another woman so then I think you kind of like get a deeper sense of why the mom is so obsessed with like sex and seeing that as sin and how that plays into her mm-hmm. own backstory. Yeah. So Carrie now has her powers. And then I guess this is sort of the build up to the prank. So we see the popular kids, they're like trying to infiltrate the prom committee being like, I really want to help out. <laughs> I love decorating. I love, love crepe paper. <laughs> So you see them like join the committee, help out with the setup of all the of the school hall and everything, but also importantly set up the prank, I suppose you want to call mm. it, um, of the pig's butt in the bucket. So the bucket is, I guess, on top of the stage and then they've got a rope where if you tug on it, the bucket of blood will like fall. And then we also get that little montage of Carrie trying on makeup and Tommy with the <laughs> um, tuxedo <laughs> rentals. And this is actually like a really fun scene. Like you finally see Carrie like – being happy like you haven't yeah. seen her like smile this much in a while and she's like putting on lipstick like all these kind of things it's, it's a bit odd to watch in 2021 as well because like covid <laughs> oh yeah she's trying on like makeup samples lipstick samples at a shop and i'm like oh yeah and she's like doing it straight from the tube oh. and i was like oh that's oh. a bit risque <laughs> yeah this is actually like there's a complete sort of tone shift yeah. and it's such a cute scene it's like very much out of any sort of uh high school teen movie the getting ready for prom scene which is really happy and exciting 
But then in the back of your mind, you're like kind of scared because you see the pig's blood being set up and you know what's going to happen. So it's very like uneasy and tense, even though it's such a happy scene. But yeah, yeah did you, apparently for Tommy, you can rent a tux for $10. That is very Again, affordable. Again, I'm like, is this, <laughs> is this the 70s? Is this a lot of <laughs> But those tuxedos were awful. Let's be real. Oh, yeah, very, so many ruffles, they were not good. It's such a funny scene because I think we get about five minutes of the guys trying on um, tuxedos and they're all super roughly like kind of pastel-y um, suits. And then like, I think there's this one guy who's like, oh, I'm not into the ruffles. And he's very yeah, adamantly like. He refuses like, to like rent a tux, even though it's only yeah. $10. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that conversion would be like yeah. nowadays, but I mean. I'm like, that's a McDonald's lunch. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. You couldn't, couldn't even get a Big Mac meal. But anyway, he very adamantly doesn't want any ruffles. And then so what does he get? He gets like the top that has like the fake ruffles on it. <laughs> like a and fake tuxedo printed yeah, on a t-shirt. And his friend's like, yeah, definitely no ruffles. Like it's such a, yeah, it is strange because it, we only get like five minutes of it, but it's just like, oh, this is actually quite like different to the whole movie because I think the whole movie was sort of like building up to like what Carrie um, and her powers are and also like the prom that's coming up and then suddenly we have like a moment of happiness and reprieve <laughs> before and the think, shit goes down yeah you know like definitely something's gonna happen at prom and it probably won't be a happy ending so yeah. you're kind of like happy but also like scared for carrie and in the meantime carrie is making her own dress and it's you know a very cute like slip pink satin very in really like simple and classic and I can't believe she made it herself like really well done um so like I guess we see her like get ready for prom and she actually see her like put on the mascara to open up her eyes and then also like curl her hair so everything that the gym teacher was kind of like you should do she does actually do yeah Um, she kind of like you know, you can tell that she really like respects this teacher because she like really takes her feedback into consideration and uses it and stuff like that. And then her mom sees this dress. Oh, her mom is, <laughs> she's like, it's red. And Carrie's like, it's pink. It's clearly pink. It's, it's not really even pink. Her mom is colorblind. Like, I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? She says, like, look at your dirty pillows. <laughs> I was so confused by that. I was like, I thought like, in, like instinctively, I was like, did she make her dress out of pillowcases? Like, I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's like a very clear close-up shot of her breasts yeah. and it's like her dirty pillows mean her breasts. I think deliberately as well, you can, like she's not wearing a bra. It's very mm-hmm. clearly defined her breasts, like her nipples, like it's just a yeah. lot there. Yeah. The first time you hear this, you're like, what pillows? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what are the, where are the pillows? <laughs> and then Carrie is like, they're just breasts, mama. <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> And you're like, that's such an odd thing to call them, to be quite yeah, honest. Yeah, pillows. Again, I, I was like, is that a 70s thing? Like, I'm learning so <laughs> much about this era. And then her mom's just like, take it off. Like, we'll oh, burn it mom. together and pray. I'm like, no. Like, why would you do that? She spent all this time making it. She's not going to burn it now. You're Come really on. Good job making it, actually. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really professionally made dress. And then her mom is just like, you know, they're all going to laugh at you. You're going to be like a laughing stock and all this stuff that she's like trying to kind of breast genuine concern. But I think mm-hmm. at this point, maybe her concern is a little bit too late because of all the other stuff that she's kind of said beforehand, which is like, like you're slutty, essentially. Mm. And mom just straight up slut shames her. Yeah, exactly. Like all this other stuff and then comes the concern where it's like, oh, no, nah, you're too late, actually. And then this is where Carrie also exercises her telekinesis powers again and was like, just be quiet and don't say anything. And then she like 
makes her like fall down on the bed <laughs> yeah. and just like makes her shut up and everything so that she can go to prom. She does it like multiple times and her mom tries to get up again and Carrie's like, no, shh down she's like oh he's not gonna come and then carrie's like yeah he'll come don't worry <laughs> i got this <laughs> yeah she's totally like confident at this point right she yeah. kind of knows what she wants and she's about to get it and she's not afraid to use her powers to get this you can see clearly she really just wants this prom moment because this is sort of i guess like maybe with all other like teenage movies like the prom is like the quintessential social event of your teenage <laughs> years right you have to go through it to kind of it's like a, almost like a rite of passage or something oh, they, totally it's like that ending yeah. like, you know capping off your high school years and sort of like yeah. signaling that you're an adult now you know celebrating all those years and yeah yeah so you can tell like she just wants this one teenage moment like never, yeah that she never got anything else if she can just have this one thing her life would be so much better I think mm. that's what she thinks yeah. <laughs> So then they do go to prom and I think yes. props to this movie and I did read that the budget was so low that, you know, they just used really typical decorations for a prom like crepe paper and stars and I think mm-hmm. it actually looks like what a what a high school prom would realistically look like. It's not super fancy. It doesn't look like a club like in some movies we've seen. <laughs> it doesn't look like just like an insane mansion. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like a genuine like local high school prom <laughs> because I think we also get the sense that this isn't like a well-off neighborhood this is like a regular mm. like neighborhood small-ish town so yeah you're right like this prom feels authentic I think it has all like the stars and everything and then the kids aren't wearing things that I feel like a normal teenager wouldn't wear to a prom mm. except for the girl who wears a cap to the prom <laughs> okay that girl from the beginning of the movie to this prom scene has been wearing that cup the whole time. And in the first scene she's in, she's wearing like yeah. denim overalls, red shirt and a red cap. Yeah. She looks like Mario. And that's oh the first thing I was like, this girl, Norma, looks like Super Mario. And then constantly <laughs> she's wearing this red hat. And I was just like, what is the deal with this red hat? So like Fee had seen that scene too where she's wearing the denim overalls. Yeah. And he was like, why is Mario there? <laughs> that's and literally what I said. I... I honestly, I tried to defend her. I was like, it's just the look, you know, she just, she's just trying to be trendy. You know, she's just matching her red hat to her red shirt. <laughs> but like this prom scene, I'm like, I can't defend you anymore. Sorry, girl. But like, why are you wearing hat. a cap? Not even a hat. She's wearing a baseball cap to prom. <laughs> if we're really going to build up prom to be like this moment in high school where everything is riding on this because it's such like big social status you wear like a really beautiful dress you go at the date you take great photos and beautiful like scenery and everything and then you're gonna wear a freaking red cap like there's no way that this is classic even in the 70s like <laughs> this is not even not explain it. it as a 70s thing this yeah. is not it so the whole yeah. time jackie and i like when we first saw mario we just yeah. laughed and then the whole time we saw her again in the movie we just kept laughing at her red hat because it's like yeah. it was like surgically attached to her like she couldn't it was like a safety <laughs> hat or something like she couldn't take it off at Honestly, all Honestly, it's fine to have a safety hat, but I'm like, could you not find another red hat for this particular look? It's not a baseball cap, like any other hat, like a fascinator, anything. (laughs) Yeah, just a red ribbon or something, like if you need some sort of headwear. And it totally looks out of place because like everyone else looks normal by all accounts. Even like with the tux, like the ruffled tuxedos and everything, but at least everyone's wearing them because you're like, okay, this is fashion. This is clearly fashion. I can see that. But the red hat, like no one else is wearing a red hat or any hat by any means. So like you're on your own. Norma, you're on your own. (laughs) You're on your own there. (laughs) Kudos to you for being, you know, you, but also you're on your own. (laughs) As long as you're happy with that, that's fine. (laughs) 
from this point onwards, like the prom to like the end of the movie is like my favorite because I think it just does such a good job of what our English teachers would call dramatic irony. <laughs> because <laughs> Carrie is having such a lovely time and you get the sense that her and Tommy like actually connecting and like having genuine fun. And then meanwhile, you're like, oh my God, there's like pig's blood perched on the roof and like something's going to happen. Like they're plotting something really embarrassing yeah. for her. So I think it's such a good like a balance of those two things going on. And like you feel so bad for Carrie watching her have such a lovely time knowing that it's going to end badly. Like you really see, and it, maybe it's too short, but like we really see Carrie blossom. So from the beginnings of like her getting ready to prom and then finally she's at prom, she has a lot of hesitancies about it because I guess it's something she hasn't really experienced herself. And then Tommy is actually really sweet about it. Like he's very like respectful to her and also like really understanding like, oh, like don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Like you're doing fine. You look really great. Like there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> and then he even like makes jokes about her being his date, like nicely of course, mm. but like so, like, you know, the teacher um, comes and talks to her, actually, like, has, like, a genuine conversation. And Carrie is just sitting there. She's, like, enjoying herself. Like, she's not really dancing or anything. I guess that's not really her thing. Like, she is quite shy. But she's still having a really nice time and she feels really comfortable and she's smiling. And you're mm. like, oh, no, Carrie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and then she eventually does, like, dance with Tommy. And this is such a romantic scene and it's, filmed in that way because it's like this spinning camera and you're watching them sort of it's very dizzying and you get the sense of like how excited she must be and how you know her heart rate must be up and she's dancing with like the cutest boy in school and there's like beautiful lights and the stars you know ahead of her and it's just like so captivating and dizzying and enthralling you know she's having the time of her life yeah. and it's all going to come crashing down <laughs> so you're just like so nervous watching this even though it's filmed in a way that you should feel like the romance and the magic definitely yeah. so if this is a typical teenage movie this would probably be close to the end of the scene or close to the end of the movie where they might kiss and then that's all over happy ending because this is carrie we see at the same time that the popular kids are kind of putting into motion the plans for the prank so the people who are on the committee they're getting the ballots for like the prom king and queen and they're like, you know, taking ballots from everyone. And then they also like stash half the pile underneath and mm. then get someone else to kind of complete the stash because they obviously like trying to rig the votes and get Carrie and Tommy to be prom king and prom queen. So you see all this happening in the background. And then to me, I was like, and that's actually quite clever. Like for people who really don't care about anything else, they've put in a lot of thought <laughs> into the plan. Like, yeah. With any sort of intelligence I see, I like. I really wish you could channel this intelligence into, into something, something a else. little bit more productive, rather than like doing this elaborate prank on this poor girl on her prom night for what? Like, tell me what what are you going to achieve out of this? <laughs> well, they achieve so much, but yeah, I would agree that they should really be channeling this, you know, th you know, this in intellect into something a bit more positive. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, you guys are clearly very good at planning organized crimes. <laughs> like, maybe we should do something with that. <laughs> you should, like, join the yearbook committee or something. Like, clearly they have an aptitude for this. <laughs> yeah, we see all this build up to that and you kind of, like, you kind of know what's going to happen. Mm. And then we do see that Carrie and Tommy do get prom king and queen and there is, like, you know, she's so happy. And for all we can see, everyone else is, is, is quite happy for her too. Like, yeah. there isn't a reason for them to be like, oh, she doesn't deserve it because, yeah, everyone's kind of like, yeah, whatever, like, go carry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, 
super happy. She gets the crown. And then this this scene in particular, because we know that something's going to happen, it's quite like dragged out as well. Mm. Like a lot of things happening in slow motion. You can see that like, she's really happy. But then you also see like the scenes of – so Sue and Billy are like hidden underneath the stage, I guess. And I think importantly, Chris is underneath the stage, but also yeah. Sue. And you see both of them in separate shots with like rope mm. next to them and rope moving. And you know that yeah. rope is connected to the pig's blood. Yeah. And I think for me, like for the, you know, it being my first time watching, it wasn't very clear to me, I think deliberately, whether, whether Sue was in it or not. Because she saw the rope moving and she didn't really react until the very last minute. So yeah. yeah, for this whole sequence, I was just not sure whether Sue was also in it along with Chris and whether she had any... Anything to yeah. do with the pig's blood plan. So it was like extra tense. Yeah. It's almost like a will they, won't they? Mm. Is it actually going to fall? Because it kind of builds it up to be like, oh, it's kind of happening. But then like maybe someone will stop it. I don't know because it's happening so slow. And I guess we forgot to mention that Sue actually, she isn't going to prom anymore because she kind of gave up her position um, to Carrie. But she actually comes in to prom and maybe it is because she's like in on the plan. But I think you find out later on that she is actually just like, she just wants to see what's happening mm, at <laughs> the prom. Yeah. Like she's curious really. Like there's this big tension where it's like, oh, there's a rope and it's kind of wriggling, but like no one's really pulled at it as well. And mm. then the gym teacher then discovers that Sue is at prom when she shouldn't be. And then the gym teacher, she's a stickler for the rules really, isn't she? Um, <laughs> so she's like, you know, why is she at prom? She shouldn't be here. She's not allowed. She gave up her position. So she goes up to her. And then I think there's a lot of things happening at one time. So, like, Carrie's on stage. She's very happy. She's got a crown. Prom queen. Yeah, Billy and Sue are underneath the the stage, hands on the rope, ready to pull it. And then Sue is looking at the rope being like, what What is is happening? What's it attached to? And then you see her slowly back away. And then the teacher is also Going towards Sue, being like, why is she here? And Sue figures out, (laughs) there's so much happening, but Sue figures out that the rope is like connected to something and it's going to happen. It's all Chris and Billy. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to warn the teacher and be like, look, like something's happening. But the teacher's like, no, just get out, trying to drag her out of the gymnasium. It's all very tragic. (laughs) The teacher, like, she doesn't know what's happening. And yet, like, the first thing she does is slap Sue. And you're kind of like, well, okay, whatever. productive but anyway so she like yeah slaps Sue and she like drags her out and Sue is trying to like tell her like no there's like something happening something's gonna happen to Carrie and then I think uh, what do you call it <laughs> luckily maybe for Sue the gym teacher actually throws Sue mm. out of the gym so Sue is now outside <laughs> very importantly she's outside the gym and then we see um so Chris and Billy have now pulled on the rope mm. and the blood is it's on it's Carrie. Gushing. It's flowing it's <laughs> all over her. She's covered in pig's blood. She is totally shocked. Everyone is so shocked in the gym. Tommy is he is a victim of this too. Like he kind of gets some on him, but mm. it's on Carrie. And like the whole whole auditorium, I think, is kind of like in silence. And then Carrie in this moment is so like, I don't know, she's panicking. She's kind of like all her fears of high school and the prom and everything and basically what everyone has told her what her mom has told her like you'll be the laughing stock all of that she's kind of projecting onto like the gym and like the students and she's imagining like everyone's laughing at her and like she's so embarrassed and so this kind of like all bubbles up into like an explosion really of her power yeah, her breaking point she loses it she really like does goes insane. 
Yes. And then like, I think at this point, I think the the thing with me is that you see her get the blood on her. I don't think it's that much blood, but then suddenly we cut to it and she is like drenched in it. And it's yeah. quite a shocking scene, I think as well, because her whole face is basically covered. Her whole dress is kind of covered and her hair is soaked in blood. You're kind of like, wow, this is a lot. And then we get all the red lighting. Everything turns red. Everything turns red. She like locks all the gym doors. Nobody can get out. And then she like unleashes some of her powers on like, I think it's a hose or something in the Mm. gym. And it's like spraying water and everything. And things are starting to light on fire. And all the students are panicking. And she's just like, you can tell that she's kind of like almost possessed by something. Mm. Like Like in a trance. Yeah, like she's like so fixated on something. You don't think that she's maybe aware of what's happening as well because it's just a combination. Like there's so many emotions that she's happening. Like it's all the stuff that's happened to her previously suddenly in this moment just bursting out. Yeah, she basically burns down the whole auditorium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she, and the actor, I think her name is like Sissy. She does yeah. like a really great job. Her eyes are like wide open. She like doesn't blink. Like she just looks, like you said, possessed and she's just yeah. like looking around emotionless. Like she's not like laughing or cackling mm. or enjoying this. She has no expression on her face. And yeah, like everyone dies. So it's not just people who wronged her, like the bullies. The teacher dies. She like pushes a table into her and basically like murders her. Tommy dies. Everyone dies, no matter like what they did to her, whether they cared for her or not. Yeah. It's just the whole gymnasium burned to a crisp. And I guess, like, when we talk about, like, bullies and stuff like that, we talk about spectators being also at the wrong. Mm. Maybe it's sort of like a you know, nod to that, maybe. Mm. She thinks like, the whole auditorium is laughing at her, so therefore it's being projected to all of them. I think, like, to me, the interesting part was that we see the teacher being killed off. So all mm. the other students and stuff, like, they're kind of collectively killed off. But I think we specifically <laughs> see the teacher. And I think maybe it's because she plays a pivotal role in this movie. But I think it's because... She also kind of isn't maybe the best person that we think she is. I think mm. maybe her role in caring for Carrie is not as genuine as we thought. And I think potentially sure. it's also to show just how far Carrie has gone or how, how lost she is now because she's not doing this rationally, potentially. She's just showing no mercy and is just unleashing hell upon yeah. everyone. So basically the whole yeah auditorium's on fire, everyone's R.I.P. Sad. It's actually quite like horrifying. <laughs> yeah, we get all this like n- the noises and then the red lights and everything. It's a pretty mm. shocking scene, and it's um, like very and- intense. Like you, it's yeah. very quick cuts. It's like a split screen. Yeah, yeah, and it just I think probably shows how you can achieve horror and you know fear mm-hmm. without you know just using jump scares or anything because it's not yeah, particularly 100%. gory either. Like it's not just like heaps of blood or anything. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing like limbs being chopped off, but yeah. it's just the chaos and the. Yeah, everything about it. Yeah, this is a very, very effective scene, I think. Yeah. Even with the technology they had, and we talk about it, how it, it's an older movie, so the technology isn't as good. But in this particular scene, you're kind of like, no, this looks really good still. Yeah. <laughs> like this particular five minutes that we see, like it still looks really good. And then we see like Sue and Billy, they like make a run for it. Um, and they actually get to escape for a little bit. <laughs> so they like <laughs> try to drive off and then they see they see Carrie on the road and they try to run her over. Yeah, I was like, girl, <laughs> haven't you done enough? Like, yeah, like you know, you're becoming is, a straight up murderer. Like, is this what you're gonna do? Anyway, they don't succeed. Um, she blows them up. <laughs> yeah, like the car like totally blows up and like tumbles over, and like obviously there's no chance in hell that they're still alive. Um, and then 
I guess Carrie like walks home. Like yes. she's still in this chance of being like, I don't really know what's going on. And she walks home and then she actually like takes a bath and like washes herself of all this like blood on her feet, on her hands, mm. in her hair. Like it's like everywhere at this point. And she like cleanses her- herself of it. Yeah. And I guess like, you know, it's a nod to the beginning of the movie where she was yeah. washing her bl- blood then and now it's like yeah. pig's blood <laughs> pig's blood yeah and now she's like covered in it as well like, and the water was like all red she's still using like soap like it's still like the same methodology that you see in the beginning mm. and then i guess from here it's like she finds her mother oh my god yeah when she walks into her house yeah. her house is full of candles like literally yeah. every inch of the place is covered in handles which i'm not about that's like a fire hazard waiting to happen yeah, <laughs> I think during the um, prom scene, you see her mum kind of not lose it, but she is like thinking of the edge. (laughs) Yeah, I think because you see her chopping, but she's not chopping anything. Oh, she chops a carrot for a bit and then she's just like, is chopping nothing. Yeah, so maybe she's doing some sort of ritual or something to cleanse the house. I'm not really sure what it is, but I mean, she sees Carrie and Carrie like, she doesn't know what's happening. I think at this point she kind of, like, snaps out of whatever trance she was and she's, like, back to being, like, Carrie, the regular girl. And she's, like, I don't know, begging her mom still. Like, mama, they laughed at me. They all laughed at me. I guess I guess the experience of prom kind of proved that her mom was right, potentially, to Carrie. Mm-hmm. Like, they did all laugh at her and it was horrible and maybe she shouldn't have gone. So she, like, seeks comfort back in her mom's arm. But maybe that wasn't a great idea. Because her mom has lost it. Yeah, her mom has kind of lost it and her mom prays for her. And also, this is a point where we finally get that missing piece of the mom's story. Mm. So she's like telling her how, like we found out that her the husband had left her. And then this part of her story, she's talking about her relationship with sex, being like, I regret having you. I regret mm. even having sex, even with my because husband. Because it's sinful. Yeah, it's sinful. Like, I shouldn't have done it. We did it once and then we never did it again. And then we did it another time. And, like, she's, like, crying because she liked it. Yeah. And she's, like, using that as, like, a, you know, I can't believe, like, I I did it and then I had you and then I should have, like, killed you when I had you because it's a result of my sin and Mm. things like that. So it's just, like, a – I mean – no, it's not a relatable story by any means, but it's just kind of like, oh, like now we understand why she treats Carrie the way she treats Carrie. It's because yeah. she, as a mother, she might like care for a child, but she also at the same time despises her because she kind of symbolizes everything she hates about herself and everything. She's really projecting that onto her through the teachings and everything. Like to her, any sort of sexual activity is just automatically sin. Like it's bad and she should never have done it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird because yeah, yeah she made a child out of it and it's still like this is wrong. It's so um, extreme. It's very extreme. And I'm not also like for my understanding of like Christian studies is that like the point of sex is like procreation. So Yeah. Isn't it okay if like the point is you're to married. Make a baby yeah, and you're married? This is part the part where I'm like, maybe this is some other thing that she's kind of elapsed on too. Like it's mm. not straight up just Christianity but maybe it's someone else's point of view on like what Christianity is but anyway in if this is her story like we'll take it as this is her story <laughs> this was the 70s <laughs> yeah we'll put it as the 70s <laughs> and then I guess her mom tries to stab well doesn't try she does she stabs stab her, her in the back yeah literally stabs her in the back yeah and then Carrie Not like great. falls down and she's like obviously very hurt about this because this is someone she like 
she had finally kind of come back to her mom and was like, no, you were right. I totally trust you and everything. And now her mom's being like, no, I should never have had you. And then literally stabs her because she's like, I should have killed you when I had the chance. And all this. it's like, it's pretty horrible stuff. Yeah. Especially for a girl who's like sort of very vulnerable in this point in time. So Carrie's like crawling away. She's hurt. She's shocked. She doesn't know what to do. And her mom is like inching towards her with the dagger in her hand, the knife, I mean, just like walking towards her. It's all very horrific. Her mom is just waiting to stab her and then she goes in for the big stab. And then Carrie, I guess, you know, in an act of self-defense, defends herself with her telekinetic powers and sends like a sharp object or like a dagger into her mom's hand and like sticks her to the wall. And I think it's very deliberately like a hand puncture, very much resembles stigmata, Jesus, etc. And then, yeah, Carrie just kind of goes insane and like sends a bunch of different knives into her mom and literally crucifies her. Yeah, so her mom is sort of one hand to one wall, one hand to the other wall, and then we see her even slump in the same position as that creepy statue of Jesus that we've been seeing throughout the whole movie. And that statue has, like, puncture, like, arrows in yeah. his body and her mom is styled in the exact same sort of pattern. Yeah. So she's recreated that with a real-life person. <laughs> yeah. And I guess because we get the idea that Carrie has seen the statue a lot in her, I know, times of punishment and things like that. I think she quickly realizes what she's done. And then she's like, oh my gosh, like my, my poor mother and stuff like that. And then at this point, she's so distraught. She like makes the whole house like rumble and everything. And then we see like the whole house is basically being, what do you call it? It drowns. What's a better <laughs> way of like, that? It sinks into the ground. <laughs> like it's been drawn into hell or something. <laughs> Yeah, so it becomes like this sinkhole almost. Yeah. Yeah, so she kind of like, I guess that's the end to this like Carrie chapter of the story where like her demise becomes the demise of her, her mother, this whole house and whole being and everything is kind of like sunk into the ground. Get to be with Satan maybe, I don't know. Mm. But yeah, (laughs) so you kind of think that's the end, but then you realise that Sue, because as we noted a few minutes ago, that the teacher very deliberately pushed her out of the gymnasium. She is actually like the only survivor of this whole prom, of this whole experience, probably from the whole high school. So she's like in her house, in bed, you overhear a conversation between her her mom and the doctor on the phone and you get the sense that she's probably like suffering from PTSD or some sort of trauma based on this and her mom's talking about potentially moving out of town so she can recover and leave this all behind and she says she's young enough she'll forget which I doubt we all know (laughs) yeah okay I did know I was like she's not a five-year-old like what kind of doctor is saying she's going to forget something that happened to her at 16 (laughs) well one she's yeah again not that young she's 16 and we all know that the teenage years are very formative years I remember my 16 (laughs) (laughs) but also like super crucial to like your existence as an adult right your teenage years are like your personality and everything kind of really start blossoming and kind of coming out so if something like this happens to you at this point in your life there is no way in hell excuse me you're just gonna forget forget, right like this this doctor take away their license they don't know what they're talking about yeah no way so then And then the next scene is that you see Sue in a white dress looking very pure and very very virginal with flowers in her hand and she's walking to the site of Carrie's old house which is for sale and there's like a sign that says Carrie White is in hell or something. Uh, Carrie White burns in hell. Burns in hell, yes. And then she puts the flowers at the cross kind of like, you know, maybe repenting for her sins or, you Mm -hmm. know, paying tribute to Carrie. And then what happens, Alice? (laughs) <laughs> a bloody arm comes in ah. grips onto her. so this is actually like the one jump scene where i'm like oh my god yeah, like I, this it was like oh my god 
quite shocking because you think, okay, Carrie's gone. Nothing, what else can come after this? And of course, her bloody arm, you're like, which is clearly Carrie's arm, going yeah. grips onto her. I think, is that foreshadowing that she's not going to forget? I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. And then you realize that was actually happening in Sue's nightmare. Yeah. So she's like screaming and like really um, having a horrific time in her sleep and her mom's telling her, it's okay, it's okay. But then obviously, yeah, again, clearly indicating she's not going to forget this and Carrie's sort of memory and, you know, her legacy will live on. She's not completely dead. No, not because she just wrote a whole year of high school at her and and the school gym. I feel like this is something that people aren't going to quickly recover from. No. Um, that's, that's a silly thought. Sue's going to need <laughs> a lot of therapy. Oh, goodness. Poor Sue. I guess the thing I think with Sue is like she uh, is – it's important that she kind of survives and – not only to carry on the legacy of Carrie White in a more probably like better way than if anyone else had survived in a place, but I think it is because she did kind of show remorse towards Carrie that you feel like she might have been spared. Mm. And yes, she was like at the right place at the right time, I think, because she gets pushed out of the gym. So she's not in her position where she would have, but would have been killed. But you kind of like do get the sense that maybe it is because, yeah, she wasn't the worst. <laughs> she wasn't. <laughs> not innocent by any means but I think she did try to rectify mm. her actions and that's more than anyone else in this movie I think so you kind of yeah. like okay okay she has been scared, but also is it really a good thing well, that yeah, she exactly was yeah I think she'll pay for her you know her sins of being like a bully forever with the so. traumatic memories of that night <laughs> yeah goodness me yeah so yes that's Carrie <laughs> quite the ride I thought like what do you think about the movie did you like enjoy it I really enjoyed it it's a type of horror that one I can handle but I think it was done <laughs> super well and super atmospheric and I think some of the scenes were just just like the tension was built in such an effective way that you just can't help but you know root for Carrie and you just want it to be a happy ending and she's having a lovely time at prom but then you just know what's going to happen so it's just like pulling you in in the right way but yeah and I think it just does it in a really effective way without you know relying on too much gore or jump scares yeah yeah that's what I really like about it too that it's just so as you say effective like it's just done so well like the whole idea of horror and you know you can get scared without you know needing all this fancy stuff or needing all these jump scares like there is a way to do horror in a way that is more subtle but it's still Mm. like really scary like it's still freaky you'll still get a really good story out of it I I quite like this and I'll probably keep watching it every Halloween (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I think it it's very clear to me why this has lived on and and why it's such a classic of the horror genre I think there's a lot of like interesting things that you can like talk about how women are portrayed you know you know most of the characters are women and most of the men are sort of like side characters they don't do much like Tommy and Billy are there but they're not big players so you know what the movie says about women what the movie says about puberty and womanhood and basically don't suppress it let's embrace it educate ourselves happen it's fine it is fine and we shouldn't be like vilifying people for being having normal bodies and things like that but yeah it is an interesting message I think especially now that we are in this era (laughs) of you know being progressive in some ways like such as you know shows like a sex education and stuff and then being quite non-progressive in other ways we're Mm. kind of in a weird point in time in history I think um so it's pretty interesting to see like something like this happening I think yeah it's sort of like about the consequences of what happens when you do suppress and not take seriously a woman and Mm. her body yeah yeah 
think so. I think it'd be interesting to find out like what Stephen King had originally wrote about and mm. also like intent behind this story was yeah and I think you know this movie has been remade a couple of times I think like as a there's been a sequel to this there's another movie with Chloe Grace Moritz and then yes there's also like a musical and I think they've changed bits and pieces so I know for the Chloe Grace Chloe Grace Moritz remake she doesn't kill everyone she only kills her bullies Mm. which I think people aren't a fan of could be a modern interpretation of it I guess Mm. like who deserve it but also I think it kind of does take away from the like, terror I mean part of why Carrie is so terrifying is because she is unhinged at this point of time like it's you know may- maybe these people didn't deserve it but also she didn't deserve it either and it's yeah. she's like so far pushed to the edge that she just can't help it she's not doing it consciously I think as, as well like yeah. she's not aiming it at anybody even though we do get a survivor it's not particularly yeah it's everyone yeah Yeah, (laughs) she becomes like a monster herself and I think Mm -hmm. that's you know to show the risks of what does happen when you treat someone like that potentially Mm -hmm. whereas I think maybe just killing the bully sort of sanitizes it and it's just like a very simple message of like if you're bad bad things happen to you whereas yeah it's a bit more complicated I think in the original Mm -hmm. I think so again I'm not huge on some remakes of classic movies I don't think they need to be done. <laughs> to be quite honest. Like just like let them live. I'm, I'm not huge on remakes unless there is like unless it brings something good to the yeah, table. Yeah, or like new yeah. to the table. Yeah. Something fresh. If it's not fresh, if it's not new, then I don't know why. What's just watch point? Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> just watch Carrie. It's not that bad. Just watch like, it on stand. It honestly still looks really good. So yeah. You know. <laughs> so yeah, still looks great. Music is great. Very, very effective. Very scary, but not too scary. But not too scary. <laughs> yeah. I would totally recommend. And yeah, like I said. Very obvious why this has endured for so long. Even knowing the plot and not having that surprise factor, it's still a really great movie. They reveal pretty early in the movie that the pig's blood is involved, so you know something bad's going to happen, but that's part of why the movie's so good. Yeah, like I think so, really good. It is pretty old at this point, but still holds up, I would say. And very interesting messaging. Go, Carrie. Carrie. Well, I mean, R.I.P. Carrie. <laughs> 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 yeah it's sort of like this revenge fantasy as well like I'm sure everyone who maybe has experienced bullying it's sort of like that just yeah. like a fantasy of wanting to get back at the people who hurt you but it shows you like how horrible that can go mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yikes <laughs> when I was watching it I was like this is like scary Matilda oh goodness yeah you're so right yeah because like she also moves some objects around and she gets bullied by her family and her teacher mm. or headmistress but she doesn't end honey. up oh thank you miss honey if this teacher was more like miss honey potentially carrie would have been okay that's what people need we need more miss honeys because miss honeys are this well they care and nurture for you and love you and then you know that's that's what children need they need that miss honey would be pro-sex education i know she of would course. be oh, honestly i feel like we really put miss honey in a pedestal but she really was that in the in the movie she is this pure this is a tangent by the way guys but she's so pure she's so loving she like she cares so much and like doesn't ever wish for anything in return like she lives in like poverty but she's still so nice <laughs> like so I know, we love miss honey yeah <laughs> you know like in the books i'm not sure if they portray this in the movie or not but in the book she like has cardboard boxes as like tables and chairs mm. and stuff yeah this woman she literally like 
lives in a hut in the middle of the, with no furniture and she comes to school clean every day and she like takes care of children and, and she's amazing so I, <laughs> she's too good she has she's like a saint she's like yeah she is of a saint, the, the heart of a saint miss honey so more miss honeys and less miss whites mrs whites <laughs> And less Chris's and less Billy's because if you are smart enough to devise a plan like that, please rethink and just channel that into something else. Like channel that into like Animal Crossing or something and build the best (laughs) island ever. Like it won't hurt anyone. You'll have a really great island. And you'll have fun. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, um, John Travolta, I think Greece came out maybe the year after this. Oh, really? So, like, a quick pivot from being, like, <laughs> like a hated, like, high school criminal to being, like, a likable high school criminal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I feel like if I watch Grease, like, now again, as much as I love the movie and the music, I feel like I would be, like, Sandy, get away from him. Of course. Yeah. What do you mean? He was wrong from the start. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, portrayed in such a romantic way. Yeah. I mean... I think we like supposed to see that the chemistry is there, and it definitely is. I can't, you can't yeah. deny the chemistry. It's electrifying. is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, them crooning together, being yeah. like, "Stop, you're the one that I want." <laughs> but it's not enough. It won't last. <laughs> <laughs> it's a summer fling, right? Yeah, you should have stayed fling when these two people didn't have to worry about the stereotypes of their own friends and being judged. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. It's a different time. Oh. <laughs> Carrie, yes, so Carrie, love it. <laughs> ten out of ten. Uh, out of ten, would watch again. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, what's next, Alice? Right, next. Oh, sorry, week, sorry, Malice. Sorry, I forgot my own name. <laughs> sorry, Francis Stone. But next week we are watching Practical Magic. Um, it has Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock, which actually I I like both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do I think. Yeah, I do like them. I think. Nicole Kidman has really grown on me. My favorite picture of Nicole Kidman is her um, walking out of her lawyer's office after finalizing her divorce with Tom Tom Cruise. Oh, have you life. seen that picture? I have not seen that. Oh. <laughs> it's an incredible. <laughs> she looks so happy. <laughs> yeah, from what I hear, I think she would be happy. <laughs> I'm going to send you that picture, but I think her father is like a lawyer or something. So I think. He... Oh no, sorry, that's Katie Holmes. Katie oh, Holmes' father yeah. was a lawyer and like really helped her out of that marriage. So, to describe it to you guys, (laughs) Nicole Kidman, she's not wearing much makeup. She's got a pretty bare face. She's wearing a pink sheared croquet top and a green Mm -hmm. skirt and sneakers and a backpack. And she looks so carefree and joyous. She's, her arms are sort of raised as if to say, finally, (laughs) I've done it. I'm free. She looks triumphant. She just looks like, you know, like she's yelling to the to the sky, being, "Thank God, I'm free." And, you know, not the the um, what do you call it, Scientology gods, but that, like, you know, <laughs> other gods. <laughs> See, that's my favorite picture of her. Uh, she looks elated and beautiful. Yeah. So not this Nicole Kidman, but <laughs> <laughs> another Nicole Kidman will be in Practical Magic. Forward to that one. If you're interested in reaching out to us, you can always follow us on Instagram at two friends in a pod. You can email us two friends in a pod at gmail.com. And aside from that, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, my name is Francis. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
Chicago. Why is it so hard? It's not even that. Um, it's not even that funny. <laughs> 